too many movies. I watch too much TV. I have too many kids. And now, we're doing a podcast. The Discerning Geeks Portal. Recording. Yay! Welcome back, everyone, to the Discerning Geeks Portal, where each week we take a discerning look into all things geek. Uh, again, I'm Dave. I'm joined with my best friends David and Todd. How are you guys doing today? You keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> Inconceivable. Inconceivable. No, we're not doing that today. That's a different movie. <laughs> I know. I just thought about that. That needs to go on the list. Well, I'm I'm doing pretty good. Like I like I told you guys just a few minutes before we started. I'm making chili today, so pardon me if every once in a while you hear stirring in the background. Yeah, we'd like to cancel this podcast right now because we're going to Todd's. To eat you got, chili. You you guys haven't had Todd's chili. We have, so yeah. You know, you're on your own. See you later. Uh, damn fact, you, I'm social coming. distancing. Damn you. <laughs> in, fact, in fact, I'm stirring right now. I kind of need it. Uh, sit it slower well Todd <laughs> um, as soon as you get you, you made it weird <laughs> get through stirring um, if you will let them know what movie we're doing it's not the Princess Bride although you know it probably will come someday um, we don't even have to watch that one we can pretty much quote it from the beginning I'm surprised nobody suggested that one yet we're the whole episode it. would us, just be us acting it out. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> what we got this week, Todd? Okay, this week we are breaaching the MCU. We are Ooh. reviewing Iron Man. Should we really use the, the word breaching? Okay. You're, you're making it weird again. You started it because you said breaching. I'm just saying. Better than penetrating. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> penetrating. And I, and I didn't say probing. <laughs> that's that's some of the that's some of the other movies. Now I'm making it weird. Okay, so anyway, it's Iron Man, Near, nearly killed by weapons of his own design and held captive in a desert cave. Billionaire engineer Tony Stark builds suits of weaponized armor to escape his captors, fight tyranny, and stop an alleged ally from using the technology for wrongdoing. Iron Man stars Robert Downey Jr. in the title role of Tony Stark in Iron Man. It's also co-starring Terrence Howard, Jeff Bridges, Gwyneth Paltrow, Leslie Bibb, Sean Taub, Farhan Tahir, Peter Belingsley, Clark Gregg, John Favreau, Paul Bettany, and Samuel L. Jackson. I like Jeff Bridges. It, yeah. It was released on May 2nd, 2008, with a rating of PG-13. It was directed by John Favreau. A little spoiler for later, uh, one of my compliments is how well this movie is edited in spots. So I know I don't usually list editor, but I'm going to say that this movie was edited by Dan Nebenthal. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. He uh, he tends to work with John Favreau a lot uh, when I skim through his IMDb page. And Iron Man, of course, started as a comic book character. It was co-created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, Don Heck, and Jack Kirby. The first appearance of Iron Man was in Tales of Suspense number 39 in March 1963, which made the character around 45 years old when this movie debuted. And the solo debut of Iron Man number one was in May 1968. Uh, also, I have a little bit of trivia on 
how many times each one of some of these characters appeared in the MCU and a little bit of trivia on the director and one guy who had a, a bit part in the movie. But the rundown's already long enough, so I think we talked about possibly going through some of that trivia later. Cool, cool. 12 years, 12 years we've had the MCU. Yeah, yeah. This kicked, this kicked it off. And so, of course, let's throw out there, if you haven't listened to one of our podcasts before, you will hear spoilers. Um, I'll even go ahead and say, and we'll put out there, you know, expect spoilers for anything that could run through the MC universe. So um, we'll definitely be talking and focusing on Iron Man but just be aware that there could be spoilers for any and all the movies that come. So if you haven't seen them all or want to avoid spoilers, um, you know, just be kind of weary as we'll probably talk about many of the movies that are in the NC universe. We will. Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay. Some of the things will be hard to talk about without, you know, but, uh, but let's, let's start with just kind of some basics. What did we, what did you like about Iron Man, Dave? Which movie? Oh, Iron Man. Right, 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 right. Um, <laughs> which, which, which one are we talking about? Oh, that one. That one. Uh, what did I enjoy about this film? Well, I mean, you know, hey, you know, anybody that likes a good, you know, kind of shoot 'em up movie is going to like this. Good action, that kind of thing. Robert Downey Jr. was a very handsome man in this movie, I'm just saying. Um, of course, the Iron Man suit was awesome as well. Um, done very, very good job. It's nice to see that uh, this, is, this is one of the one of the greatest things I really love about this movie isn't actually part of the movie. It's the fact that uh, when this movie finally came around, technology had finally caught up to where you could start doing these kind of really nice jobs on costumes without being kind of like a rubber suit. You know, you could actually make it uh, digitally almost, and it would look really, really well. And so this is kind of like that first celebration, I think of having the, new technology and and being able to go hey yeah let's put a guy in a suit that'll actually fit him and not look like it's gonna fall off of him any anytime soon uh so that's one of the great things i like about it love the graphics Uh, i definitely love the action of it uh it's very fun the story's fun uh robert downey jr makes it fun i don't know how much of it was actually in the script or if it was just ad lib because he is a very good ad lib actor as well i have found that i tend to enjoy movies that kind of start in the middle uh i know there's a specific phrase for it and i cannot think of the of the style it is but um i I kind of enjoy that you get this kind of first thing where you're like what and then it kind of backs up a little bit and you then you catch back up to yourself i I don't know why i kind of enjoy that i to me it, it kind of hooks you which is important and so you get interested and you're like, okay, so how did, how, how did he at least end up there? And then it backs up and you watch and you're like, oh, okay. And you get a little bit more backstory to it and then you get to move forward a bit. Um, I just enjoy that kind of thing. It, 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 it draws me in, which I think is important. In media race, the literary concept of starting in the middle of the action, you know, that's what they do here. He starts right in it, you know, um, somebody googled <laughs> actually surprisingly enough i remember that from high school english do you i, I knew that they taught it to us in high school and i was like sitting here going i know we read books like this and i cannot think of the name of how, what, what it was so, yeah okay I still so my it. science so my my science my uh your english teacher should be proud yep yep but uh yeah no um i love the to me um, number one thing, I just love the overall arc of the character for Tony Stark um, in just this movie. 
Um, you have so much character development and you get to see that development and it's a, a natural development. Um, sometimes you have characters who develop and, and they want to get them to a certain point in the movie and it, they just force them there. But I think in this, it, it's a natural progression that you see him grow as a character. Uh, you know, he starts off, he's the playboy, right? He's sleeping around. He doesn't care. He doesn't even know the girls' names. He doesn't wait around to say goodbye to them. Uh, you know, he doesn't even show up to the meetings that he's supposed to, uh, you know, where he's winning awards. He's, he's the playboy. Um, and by the end, he is deciding to become a hero. And he has to kind of grow into that role. Um, and that was the biggest thing for me. And then, of course, kind of if you span that through the um, entire MC universe, um, I won't throw out too many spoilers because you know, but because uh, I do want people to enjoy those movies. But when I think of the arc that the MC universe takes, it ends up being a story where Tony Stark's character is the main hero. Even with all the Avengers and everything around him, he's the the main guy for me. Um, and this is his origin. This is his start. And I think they capture it really well. I I, I really enjoyed this movie, uh, and and that aspect of it. The cinematography is great. The action is great. The computer animation, of course, and and all of that is great. Uh, the soundtrack is good. So so there's a lot of good things about it. But that that was my primary my number one was that character development that he goes through um I'll, anybody who's listened to some of the podcasts that's a big thing for me uh, i really enjoy seeing a character grow what about you todd if i've stolen all of your thunder uh well not exactly but i can follow up on a few things uh dave you were talking about ad living i actually watched some of the special features this time i keep forgetting to do that and you're really good about that and i actually had some time to do that this time one of the special features is robert downey jr having an acting rehearsal with jeff bridges and the and the director john favreau and you were talking about ad living and yeah maybe he did some ad living but from that from that one rehearsal scene, I'm pretty sure that if he had ad libbed in that in this movie, it would have had about 50 f bombs in it. <laughs> so they probably had to reel him in a little bit and have him stick to the script every once in a while. The other day, you were talking about uh, kind of starting in the middle uh, of the story, and that was a really good way of just getting you hooked right away, and then going back and kind of filling in some blanks. And I was also kind of impressed by how soon this movie gets going. I mean, we learn. Tony Stark's personality right away in one quick scene before the action starts. And that's less than three minutes into the movie. And then less than four minutes into the movie, we're already hit with the irony that Tony is almost killed by one of his own bombs. So we already get that character complication that he is somebody who has developed all these weapons. And then one of them almost takes his life. And of course that's the big turning point. And we get all that in the first three and four minutes of the movie. So, uh, so I was really impressed with all that. And then you talk about, about how this is a very character driven movie. Uh, I definitely agree with that, but I'm also impressed how, you know, some people probably don't have a whole lot of respect for superhero movies, but I'm always impressed how they get such big name stars in them. So not only is this a very character driven movie, but there are some big stars in this, like Jeff Bridges and, and Gwyneth Paltrow. And sometimes I just wonder, how do they get these people? So you've got a lot of 
really strong acting talent backing up these excellent characters. Definitely, definitely. Um, I don't know that I remembered, and it was just kind of caught my eye um, the times that I rewatched it, getting ready for this podcast, um, how well Gwyneth Paltrow pulled off her character. She seems almost like a bit character kind of starting off in this in this movie. But there's the scene where she is at the dance with him and she sells that she's this awkward, not really sure how to handle Tony secretary for, you know, um, for lack of better words, she sells it. And you're sitting there watching it and she is is visually shaken and i was just really impressed with how well she sold that scene and then later on you know he kind of brings it up again and she's like oh you mean that time that you you know went for drinks and then you left me there um right and it it really sets up her character and then those of you who are familiar with the mc universe know how that relationship develops but um but it was just in the very beginning I, I was really impressed with how well um, that was sold. And then you do, you've got Jeff Bridges and, and he sells the Obadiah character really, really well. Um, and all these, these characters that are, are, are going around um, Tony Stark. It's a, it's, it's a great movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed it very much. Yeah, and you reminded me of something else. You talked about how uh, some of the scenes involve Tony sleeping around and we see that he's kind of a playboy and everything. Some of the deleted scenes really dig into that. Uh, There's one scene, I think it's called the Dubai scene, and apparently they go to Dubai in the Middle East, and I think that might be a jumping off point for when he goes with the Iron Man suit to attack that one village, not the villagers, but the people who are terrorizing the village. I think he, I think he uses Dubai as a launching point for that uh, in the original cut, and then they just cut the entire Dubai scene. But in that, he's walking upstairs to his bedroom with two women on each arm, and uh, then the next morning when he's got the Iron Man suit, he asks for uh, Pepper's help, and as she walks through this palatial uh apartment that he's staying in there are women just all over the place just sleeping like they've had a big party the night before there's also a deleted scene that kind of involved the women hitting on uh the roadie character in the plane on the way over uh so i think that they took out some of these scenes with more women in it partially hopefully to objectify women a little bit less but also i think they probably wanted to keep that focus on Gwyneth Paltrow and her chemistry with Robert Downey Jr. so that there aren't other women in the movie to distract you from that relationship. Yeah. I kind of wonder if that's not true. Yeah. And then there is the really funny scene where he's come back after that fight and he's trying to get the Iron Man suit off or have his robots that are are helping him Mm -hmm. try to remove the suit. She walks in and he's like, Oh, this isn't the worst. <laughs> let's you know let's face it. This is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. <laughs> yep. Uh, you must have written it down too. <laughs> no, it's just, I remember it. Of course. Oh, I also what? think it's, I also think it's funny. The first thing he says, because if you, you need to pay attention because sometimes you can miss it, but he's talking to Jarvis and, and the first words out of his mouth is I did design this to come off. Right. Right. And, and, and then she walks in and he looks over and he's like, let's face it. This is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Um, <laughs> 
you know, one of the other things I really I do kind of enjoy about this film is if is it's very subtle and it's one of those that you kind of have to catch. If you really pay attention, like when he gets back, he really seems to be a kind of a guy that just wants to maybe rethink his life, so to speak. You know, he's just been this horrific thing. He decides to step away from the company, decides I'm not going to make weapons anymore. Um, And then he, he gets to thinking about what he's, what he did make. And so he's trying to, to rebuild a better Iron Man. But he's not really necessarily trying to make himself a superhero. He, he, I think he's doing it more kind of like just to keep his mind occupied. It also seems like he's kind of doing it maybe just to be fun. That he kind of thought, well, maybe I could make like this flying suit. You know, that would be kind of cool. And it's not until he finds out the betrayal that his company through Obadiah was selling to both sides his weapons that he really kind of gets mad and starts looking at what he's making as more of a weapon as opposed to maybe just a flight suit. Um, because, for example, there's lots of f- fun scenes in here where, you know, Pepper again walks in and is like, I thought you weren't making weapons. And he was like, oh, no, no, this is flight stabilizers, stabilizers completely harmless. And he he fires it off and like... You know, I forgot what it is. He flies, falls back like two feet in a chair and like totally <laughs> blows a hole in the wall or something along those lines. And, and then it cuts to a different scene and you're just like, mm-hmm, yeah, sure. So uh, I always enjoy that. There's a, there's a lot of really good, uh, if it is scripted, wow, they just did a really good job of, of uh, getting people that could just make it seem natural, but also just do such excellent writing that it's it also was easy to make it seem natural. Was there anything you didn't like about the film? Oh, surely we can't be there yet. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you can keep talking about good stuff if you want to. I'm just wondering. Yeah, I've got a few nitpicks, but uh, yeah, can I can we work in a few more positives? No, no, you're not allowed. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Dork. Okay, well, I, I already mentioned the the editing. I just think that the editing is really sharp in this. And yeah, if you do want a nitpick, I'll have to admit. That whole sequence near the beginning of him being in the cave maybe is a little bit long, maybe does drag a little bit. It's also a little bit unrealistic. When we get to nitpicks, I might be able to embellish on that. But it's it's necessary, but you kind of have to slog through it. But they make up for it by editing other scenes so sharply. Like uh, near the beginning when Tony is supposed to be getting the award and Stane has to go up and, and get the award for him. He says the best thing about Tony is also the worst thing. He's always working. And then instantly they cut to Tony at the casino, just totally blowing the thing off. And then uh, you see the flight attendants on the flight over. They're offering Rhodes a hot sake. And he says, no, I don't want any. I'm not drinking. Instantly they cut to him holding the bottle. They're already half drunk. The flight attendants have loosened up their clothing and they're dancing around the cabin. Uh, Stark demonstrates the Jericho weapon and the shockwave tilts him over a little bit. And instantly you cut to... Uh, another scene of a mobile liquor cart rising uh, from a steel case. And then Stark returns home and he makes a kind of smart remark to Pepper. She jokes that uh, she's glad that he's alive because she hates job hunting. He says vacation's over and instantly cuts to them closing the doors in the car and they're on their way. So it's not like they waste time showing them walk to the car and having to fill that with some kind of dialogue. And they're, um, oh, and then near the end, uh, there's the scene with Rhodes. Uh, it's after Tony has uh, helped out the village, uh, but they still don't know that that's him yet. So they send two F-22 uh, Raptors after him. 
And I think he ends up wrecking one of the Raptors. And so Rhodes says, now what am I supposed to tell the press? And Tony says, training exercise, isn't that the usual BS? And Rose said, it's not that simple. And instantly they cut to a scene of Rose saying, an unfortunate training exercise involving yep. F-22 <laughs> Raptor occurred yesterday. So they did really well of just cutting instantly from one scene to another to you know speed up the action to make up for other scenes that maybe did have no choice but to drag. Also, some of those scenes I just mentioned were in the deleted scenes. Like there was more banter at the casino. There was more banter on the plane. And whether it was the director, the editor, somebody realized that that stuff needed to get cut and that doing those quick jumps from one scene to another was really the the way to go. Uh, so yeah, I, I just want to mention the editing because I don't know if we talk about editing very often, but I, I was really impressed with it in this movie. Right. Yeah, just like we were saying. <laughs> Um, nitpicks. Um, I mean, like in any kind of movie like this, there's always going to be a few little plot holes here or there. Um, you know, I think one of the most obvious ones for me was, uh, you know, he's fighting, um, as Iron Man, the other Iron Man robot, you know, by piloted by Obadiah there at the end, and he's flying up into the space and it's like, you know, how did you solve the icing problem? And then the big, Iron Man falls to the earth and then he falls to the earth and then they're both there and they're fighting again. And it doesn't explain how the Obadiah robot survived the icing or anything like that. It's just like, Oh, he's just there. Um, so yeah, there's a few little holes here or there. Um, but most of those, you kind of just look past and, uh, and you get really into the, the action of the, uh, of the movie. I love movies and we talked about it a little bit with the Martian. This is another one of those engineering movies. Uh, mm -hmm. Having grown up in a household full of engineers, you know, there's a lot of scenes, but they're done really well. And it's interesting to watch Tony just work in his workshop and he's, yes. you know, flipping through and making adjustments. And this is, you know, 2.0, this is whatever. And he's having to do testing. And you're seeing his mental engineering of this suit as it takes place. And to me, that was really kind of cool and, and neat to see. It wasn't just that he came out one day and, hey, here's the perfect suit. Uh, we actually got to see him develop it. Um, and some pretty funny scenes, like you said, here's the repulsor ray, and he just halfway blows open, you know, hole in his wall. Um, you know, there's other scenes where he, you know, mistakenly launches himself into the side of the wall, and and he's always having to tell his robot, which he calls dummy, uh, yeah, <laughs> um, uh, you know, not to hit him with the fire extinguisher anymore. Who is uh, my favorite character, by the way? <laughs> <laughs> he, he does have a nice little arc. He's he's only in there about three or three times, but yeah. Out of everyone in the film, if somebody said, who's your favorite character in Iron Man? I would go, the dumb robot with a fire extinguisher. He is my favorite character in the whole thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch the thing and just pay attention to him. You'll love him, I swear. No, and ah, he's the hero. Ah, ah. Sorry. <laughs> oh, he's the hero, right? <laughs> yeah, he's the hero. He really is. If you want to know who the hero of Iron Man is, it's dummy. Yep, I'm not he, kidding you. Pay attention. It is. Well, technically, yeah. If it hadn't been for him, that's true. Yeah, I know. Technically, Pepper had a lot to do with it, but really and truly, it was dummy. <laughs> well, and actually, I'm trying to remember the. You mentioned the whole thing about the Ironmonger and and Iron Man falling back to the Earth into the factory and everything, where they had the arc reactor. 
that was also a deleted scene and there's more that happens there. And I'm trying to remember if it was in the deleted scene or if it was in the uh, natural cut of the movie. But when you think about it, Obadiah's death is, is kind of on pepper. She's kind of the one that finishes him off uh, because I think she's the one that activates the reactor and then Obadiah falls in. Iron Man is already kind of out by that point. So they, and you don't hear them talk about it any later and the movie doesn't really play it up, but yeah, she's, she might be more responsible than Iron Man for finishing him off. That's true. Yeah. I, uh, I enjoy um, Pepper's arc throughout the MC universe uh, as well. Um, uh, yeah. I will throw it out. There's a spoiler. It's, it's, in, it's fun to uh, get into some of the later movies where we actually get to see her um, even just for moments like in a suit, you know, doing some of the battling. Um, mm-hmm. That's just kind of a nice little homage that they pay f- to her uh, as a character and, and her development. So, uh, so yeah, that was, uh, it's nice to see her also be the hero in this, this story. Yeah. It's a, it's an interesting, it is an interesting death because this is one of those few times where really, when you think about it after you, after you've seen this film, um, the villain is actually uh, killed by, Yes, a, a bit of technology that is this arc reactor, but really, you know, it's one of those where there's conversations taking place during it where she's also like, "You'll die too." He's like, "It doesn't matter," you know, that kind of thing. Um, he's got to be stopped, and so they pop it off. And so, really, what you pay attention is if you have any kind of knowledge whatsoever. Um, oddly enough, what kills Obadiah or, or stops him is would have killed Tony if Tony had been normal, but Tony was not normal. Uh, Tony basically had a pacemaker that was not really a pacemaker. In other words, basically, if you really pay attention, what happens is, is it's an electromagnetic pulse is what she fires off. So it shorts out Ironmonger, and it also stops Obadiah's heart, basically induces a heart attack, which is the reason he, he, he gets killed. Um, it does do the same thing sort of to Tony, but then as you watch kind of the final scene where he's kind of laying there you realize that the his own little mini arc reactor um evidently was powerful enough to restart itself and so his his own earlier injury is what actually causes him to be able to survive because he does have this kind of power unit for his heart even though it's not necessarily that uh but it's it is what keeps him from dying um I do wonder because it's not mentioned like Todd said, but I do wonder if this was kind of kept quiet from Pepper that she actually was the one that killed him because he does fall eventually into the arc reactor and it does go boom. And there's a nice big explosion. Uh, I also have a theory about the, the arc reactor um, going off because it shoots this kind of like strange energy into space. And because it is the first MCU universe, I don't think I've ever heard this theory, but I was wondering if anybody else has heard it, which is what if, the whole MC universe started because she fired off the arc reactor, which launched this kind of strange energy into space that maybe made earth be noticed. And if you are familiar with the MC universe and Avengers and et cetera and so forth, and the troubles they've had, that's not just technically earth based. Maybe this started the whole thing. And uh, because of the whole fact that they had to stop Obadiah, who knows? Um, I do I have a nitpick. 
Oh, go for it. Because you guys have been talking about everything, so let me jump in right quick with my nitpick. Um, I do have a slight problem. It seems a little odd that a weapons manufacturer or a weapons designer, and maybe that's maybe how I'm looking at it wrong, is maybe I should look at it more as a weapons designer. It, it seems like he's a little clueless when it comes to Battlefield stuff. It, I'm not saying that he, he's not doing a great job, but it is a real big, and maybe this is the reason why later movies kind of develop this to where he kind of loses the suit to be a hero. Because really, it's really this, this film, when you watch it, if you kind of keep that in the back of your head, it's all overpowered. Like his suit is completely overpowered. Like he just jumps right into situations knowing that he's not going to be hurt and just overpowers everything because he has all this technology and, and the ability to like, you know, fire a, you know, firecracker sized rocket into a T-80 tank and it just blows up, you know, that kind of thing. Um, which also brings up another point. I don't know who was driving the T-80 tank, but that had to be a national tragedy because any gunner in a T-80 tank that could shoot a man-sized object out of the sky with a sh- with a tank shell. Wow, you lost an asset there. I'm just <laughs> I'm telling you that's because a <laughs> that's a heck of a shot to 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 shoot a man-sized drone, let's say, out of the air with a tank shell from a T-80 tank. Yeah, I don't. You you just lost the tank commander. Like you know, who, if they had like several tanks, the guy that was supposed to show them what to do yeah you just lost him but yeah that that that's a little that's a nitpick that is a nitpick because i really highly doubt don't think that that's absolutely possible if there's anybody on that could prove me otherwise i'd like to know but um yeah so that's kind of a nitpick but it's forgivable but yeah well, i do kind of have a problem about the overpoweredness but well anyway. who knows the weapon that might have been fired on tony at that point might have been stark technology which means it might have been smart enough to hit so it's a, it's a it's a stark tank shell could be could maybe be. But yeah maybe he got hit by his own weapon again uh, well then wouldn't it have killed him because you know stark stark <laughs> doesn't make mistakes i'm just saying uh, I like your theory, though. I like your theory because I kind of watched that pretty closely as I was watching this this beam shot fly up from the um, arc reactor when she overloads it and sets it off. Um, and I even tried to dig a little bit to see if there was any kind of references to or anything along the lines of, you know, if anybody had any theories of, was this the beacon? That, yeah, was, was that this like threw a, all the attention to Earth that started the MC universe, basically? Yeah, was this the flare that you know these beings of the world of the universe went? Oh, look, they have this technology. We should go there and get it before they get too powerful or or figure out how, what to do with it to, to defend themselves. You know, yeah. I don't know. It, it's that that uh, I think you had mentioned it. It's kind of that equation to the Star Trek, you know, oh, somebody went and had a warp drive technology. Right. All, all of a sudden, all the other, you know, races in the galaxy kind of start looking at that, like, oh, they're they're up and coming. Yeah, um, yeah and- it's, the, it's the Star Trek. It was the Star Trek analogy where because they had the warp test and reached warp one and those Vulcans just happened to be going through the solar system and they went, hey, they have warp technology. That means we can go talk to them now and does that start the whole thing and why the reason and actually if you do pay attention to later in the mc universe there are reasons given about why the avengers are being assembled and part of that is that earth is getting to this point where technology is actually outstripping the ability to use it but there are other beings 
that exist that already know how to use it. And so we have to form a team that can at least avenge the earth. If, you know, we do get like somehow invaded or conquered or whatever. And that's really the purpose behind the Avengers. It's not necessarily to be a military unit to stop it. It's more of a, be that unit that gets revenge for taking advantage of poor little earth. You know? And now I will say one of my kind of favorite scenes, and I'm, I'm probably going to steal one of Todd quote, Todd's quotes, because I know he likes him too, um, is when Obadiah is trying to get the um, Ironmonger, you know, robots going, and they can't figure out the technology with the arc drive, the, uh, the arc reactor. And uh, he's kind of yelling at them. He's like, Tony Stark built this in a cave with scrap metal. And of course, the scientist is like, I'm not Tony Stark. You know, <laughs> it's like it shows how far ahead he was in thinking and how far advanced he is with with kind of what he's doing science wise. But it also led to um, some pretty cool stuff because it was that miniaturized arc reactor that uh, that built it all. Um, and I'm hoping that that'll give us kind of a segue because I don't want to run out of time for Todd to, to give us a little bit of that cool trivia and some background stuff that, that he found out. Yeah. Okay. So I'll try to go as quickly as possible, whether it was through starring roles, supporting roles, cameos, archival footage, the in credit sequence, regardless of the how and the when and how much Robert Downey Jr. and Samuel L. Jackson were in 11 appearances in the MCU each. Uh, and Samuel L. Jackson was also in two episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This was the only time we saw Terrence Howard play James Rhodes. He was recast with Don Cheadle. If I remember correctly, I think Terrence Howard asked for too much money. So they're like, yeah, screw it. And they gave it to Don Cheadle. But altogether, Rhodes was in eight MCU movies. And of course, he eventually gets armor of his own and becomes War Machine. Let's see, Gwyneth Paltrow was in seven movies. Clark Gregg, who plays Phil Coulson, uh, he was in Iron Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, The Avengers, and Captain Marvel, and went on to play the lead role in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for all seven of its seasons, and it just recently wrapped up. Paul Bettany was in seven MCU movies. Now, he starts as just the voice of Jarvis, but halfway through Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, he, uh, he starts to be live action because he becomes the character of Vision. And then there's uh, one other little piece of trivia about the uh, that scene that you were talking about where Stain is yelling at the scientist. That scientist is played by Peter Billingsley, and the character's name is William Ginter Riva. Now, I've never seen this movie, but have you guys seen A Christmas Tree? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so the little kid in that, Ralphie Parker, is played by that actor, Peter Billingsley. And I've never seen the movie huh. either, but I'm familiar with it. I think there isn't there a scene where... Santa Claus gets ticked at the kid and pushes him down a slide or something like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the kid. So uh, that's the actor. He was a he was a child actor. So he's in that scene. Uh, he plays William Ginter Riva, who also makes an appearance later in the most previous and up to this point last MCU movie, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, so he kind of bookends the series. Now, he's not just an actor. He's also a producer. So on top of everything else, he also has an executive producer credit on Iron Man 1. So a little bit of trivia there. And then as far as John Favreau, the director of Iron Man 1, he was also the uh, director of Iron Man 2. He either starred or cameoed as Happy Hogan 
in all three Iron Man movies, the last two Avengers movies, and both Spider-Man movies. And he also got an executive producer credit for all three Iron Man movies and all four Avengers movies. So you could say that John Favreau is kind of like one of the founding fathers of the MCU. Huh. Alrighty then. That's a, that's a lot of trivia and a lot. Well, and I've got a, a little bit more about John Favreau, if you don't mind me going just a little bit further. Go for it. Okay. I noticed uh, near the end of the movie, there was a transition from one scene to another that was a screen wipe. And Dave, I know you're a huge Star Wars fan. You probably know that all throughout Star Wars, that's a major transition from one scene to another where they where they wipe the screen either from right to left, the other way around, top to bottom, something like that. And I caught it and I was like, wow, I wonder if they had more of those in this in this movie and I, I missed them. But again, John Favreau is the director of this movie. And I can't help but wonder if he put in one of the screen wipes as an homage to Star Wars because he's got to be a major Star Wars fan. John Favreau voiced Pre Vizsla in six episodes of The Clone Wars, voiced the four-armed pilot Rio Durant in the movie Solo A Star Wars Story that we reviewed a few weeks ago. Check out that review. And he created and executive produced The Mandalorian for Disney+. Plus. Ooh. No wonder it's so good. Yeah. Nice. Space Cowboy. I'm so happy completely and almost totally forgot. Uh, yes, the greatest character in all of the MCU universe is Agent Coulson. If you don't if you don't agree with me, then <laughs> I don't care. You can kiss my butt. But I, I know he's only in like maybe five or six films. Doesn't matter. The greatest character. Four. No, yeah. excuse me, five. Five. See? Five. Uh, the greatest character in the MCU universe out of <laughs> all the movies, Agent Coulson. Sorry, just is. Oh, and I forgot one other thing. You know, I mentioned that Paul Bettany played Jarvis and then Vision. You know, this is only our eighth movie review. We haven't been podcasting for very long. But out of those eight movies, Paul Bettany has been in three of them because he was also in A Knight's Tale, which is our second uh, episode, and Solo Star Wars Story. Now, we have had this theory wow. before, so I'm going to go off a little tr- little track. But we all know that there are certain actors. Paul Bentley is probably one of them. But then we also know of at least two others. And the most famous is, of course, the Kevin Bacon thing, the seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. You can pretty much name any movie. And somebody <laughs> in there within six movies has done a movie with Kevin Bacon. There's another guy that's less known, but we also really, really love him. And that's William H. Macy. And so we know that there are these actors that somehow, for whatever reason, they just seem to be in everything. They may not necessarily be the headliner. They may not necessarily be like, a major character in the movie, but they just suddenly are like there. And it's just, it's kind of like, uh, I don't know. It's kind of like America and like apple pie. <laughs> it's like, Oh, there they are. This movie's great. You know? And I don't know why it is. It's this. So, okay. I'm, I'm back on track now. Please continue. Huh? So I'm kind of curious and I don't want to like get into like a full rating, but as far as like putting in order of the MC universe, but where would you guys kind of rate this as far as like, movies in that mc universe i i was looking online and and some of the ratings had this as you know one of the like bottom three or four movies some of the other ones had it in the top five um where would you kind of approximate you know it doesn't have to be exact hey this is my number three pick unless you have that list in front of you uh <clears throat> todd no just kidding <laughs> um but, i'm bringing uh, it up right now <laughs> um <laughs> Todd likes tables. Where would you approximate this one as far as in the MC universe? Uh, The only way I could actually do it would be to actually describe it in its terms of importance. 
to the whole universe because if you're going to talk about the whole universe and all the movies um as far as entertainment value which is the reason i go to movies it's still up there but there are other mcu movies that do outshine it as far as having fun with the film and watching it but so if i was to truly and absolutely rank it in the universe of importance because that's probably how you should really look at the films as far as i'm concerned it's still probably I don't know. I'd probably say, let's see, how many movies? Golly, I can't even. I think uh, there were like 23 total. 20, 23 total movies. I would probably still say it's in the bottom half of the top 10 because I I don't think you can really say that any of the origin stories should be ignored because in order to get the other films that are better, you they have to start somewhere. And right. so I think any origin film that's below I would probably say out of 23 movies, any origin film that is below 10, the they're they're dead wrong. Uh, whoever whoever put it together, they're dead wrong because you have to have the origin story to make the character so that the films that you do love that are better than this film exist. Because if you don't accept that as if you don't rank them in the importance of the whole thing, I don't think it works truly. I don't think you could say it's like I don't think you could say, oh, it's 20. Because all these other movies are so much better. Well, all those other movies you won't get unless this one exists. And so right. that's how I would do it. So okay. I would say bottom of the top 10, probably. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I'm putting this one probably in that, um, right in that five to eight, you know, top five to eight for me. Uh, this was one of my favorites. I think it's one of the ones that it was able to kick off the MC universe and just keep it rolling because it did so well. So for me, you know, it's going to be in the top, definitely top 10, but probably in that five to eight. Uh, where do you have it, Todd? Well, I was already going to say during our, our rating that I would put it bare minimum top 10 and maybe even top five. But since you actually asked specifically, I can tell you that right now on my spreadsheet, I've got it number four out of the MCU. And it's tough to say. I always wonder, do I have these things ranked right? And uh, I need to watch some of them, maybe move some of them around. But yeah, it's going to be around top four, which means, yeah, probably somewhere in the top five. Okay. One more question, and this is just because, and I think we've touched on it sometime in the past, but I'm just curious. What do you think Marvel gets right that it seems that DC has yet to be able to really capture? I thought you wanted to have this podcast be an hour. (laughs) (laughs) Just two minutes, two minutes. (laughs) There's no way! Um... What is Marvel? Uh, I don't know. Writing. Yeah, yeah. Have a script. That's usually a good yeah. Ha- have a script. Um, not do stupid crap with your icons. Um, okay. Look, I'll I'll just say this: the one I've always simply said. Marvel's heroes are always presented as humans that are human and are simply have and simply have uh, special abilities. In other words, Captain America is. A super soldier, but he's he's Captain America. He's human. He just happens to be strong. Iron Man, same thing. Uh, uh, Tony Stark is a billionaire, very very smart man. He just happens to be Iron Man. He was able to create the suit. Every character in Marvel is like that. DC has uh, has archetypes. You have Superman, this 
you know, archetype of I truth, justice in the American way, uh, Batman, Dark Knight uh, style. It's the reason why Batman resounds so well with everybody else, because Batman is closest to a Marvel um, hero in which he's human. He has simply taken on this role and desire to clean up corruption in the way that he can. Uh, but all the other characters, Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Aquaman, they're archetypes. They're these kind of supreme beings that are metahuman, and they are trying to be noble and benevolent because they decided to be that way or their story made them that way. The reason they're having trouble is, number one, DC is allowing people to mess with their archetypes by trying to change them, and they don't realize that they don't need to change them. Superman can be truth, justice in the American way, and it will work. Why? Because there are enough people that resound with that, that you don't have to make him dark. You don't have to make him this. You don't have to make him that. You don't have to try to change what worked. And and the other thing they need to do is stop trying to be Marvel. And that's it. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Todd? I agree with everything Dave said. And yeah, it's definitely writing that, that really helps. And more specifically, I think putting character above everything else and also giving every character a distinctive and interesting and compelling backstory, personality, uh, way of speaking, everything, so that you really do feel like there are characters and not just placeholders for archetypal values, like they were saying, walking around the, the chessboard in your movie. You've got actual people. They're people first and superheroes second. And also, in addition to that, I would say, I mean, that's for the movies individually. But as far as achieving the Marvel Cinematic Universe, a lot of that goes to planning. And some, if not all of that credit could go to Kevin Feige, who was uh, the major producer on the MCU movies through most, uh, if not all of its uh, inception. I know he was a producer on Iron Man, but I don't know how much power he had yet. It may not have been until uh, Disney bought Marvel around halfway through phase one that he truly got the, the power to make a lot of planning decisions. And I don't know if he's a major superhero fan, a major comic books, uh, a comic book fan, a major movie fan, or if he's just a good boss or a good planner or a good producer, or if he's a little bit of all those things. But somehow he knew how to just lay the groundwork correctly, how to lay the tracks in front of the train. And yeah, I hate to say it, but I just don't think DC knew how to do that, either that or they thought they knew how to do it and it just went off the rails. And, uh, you know, in the past few days, they've been doing uh, DC fandom. Yeah, th that's been on the internet a lot lately, uh, announcing some of their future projects that DC is going to do and doing some leaks and previews and stuff like that. And yes, some of the movies have gotten better in the DC universe and some of the ones in the future look okay. But they don't have that same cohesion. They're they're intentionally making some movies that are not part of the universe and intentionally making some movies that are part of the universe. And then they're trying to do this whole multiverse thing so that they can try to work in the Michael Keaton Batman into a Flash movie. And <laughs> it's, it's just crazy. They're all over the place. And it doesn't mean they won't be great movies. And maybe they'll figure out how to make everything make sense. But it's just chaos. And there's something about the way Marvel was done it's the epitome of order. You know, they had fun along the way. They made great characters along the way, but they knew how to work things in either through having sidekick characters or the um, the in-credit scenes of working in little bits and pieces 
that laid the groundwork for future movies. And they know they knew how to do that without being obstructive and without making that the first priority. The first priority was to have a great movie. And then if you can work in some little Easter eggs that help you build the franchise, great. But you have a great movie first. Right. I, I would agree with both of you guys. I think um, for me, you know, the Marvel universe seems to focus on those characters. Hey, this is a character. This is how we want to see these characters develop. This is what we need to do over time. Um, I'm not sure why DC kind of sometimes feels like it ignores that. It's almost like they're they're caught up in the, no, we have superheroes. We want to just show off the super stuff. And so it's like, we're going to build a whole plot around showing off super stuff that has no development around it and doesn't really make any sense, but it's just super-y stuff. And, and so it does seem all over the place. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to check on that. It is time for our lightning round. And for those who may not have joined us before, this is where we take 30 seconds to discuss anything more further that we want to about this movie. Um, positive, negative, throw out anything that we want. After that, you'll get our um, rankings for this movie, and then we'll finish off the podcast with our preview for next week. So um, who wants to start off the lightning round this week? Nobody. Nobody. Uh, (laughs) I wasn't wanting to. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) All right, ready? (coughs) Sure. And go. Okay, just one last note on the DC stuff. It does not necessarily mean that the DC characters cannot work and they can't have a superhero movie. It's just they need to actually just decide to have a superhero movie. They don't have to be Marvel. That's their that's their biggest problem. Secondary, uh, favorite scene in Iron Man. Uh, he's sitting at the computer and uh, Jarvis is rendering it, and he shows a screen and it's completely solid gold. And he goes a little ostentatious on it. And Jarvis goes, oh, yes, sir. Uh, what was I thinking? You're usually p- pretty discreet. And then he goes, eh, throw some little hot rod red in there. Great thing ever. <laughs> it was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> okay. I, oh, did you, you want to go next? I'll like let you him. go, Todd. Nope, okay. Go ahead. All right. Ready? And go uh the visuals still hold up uh one little nitpick is the whole thing about the cave it just seems a little bit unrealistic that when he's under surveillance he's able to build this this thing that they wanted to build it's supposed to be shaped like a missile and it's not a missile it's shaped like a man thing uh uh, armor shaped like a man Uh, a few quotes stark says my old man had a philosophy peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy the reporter says that's a great line coming from the guy selling the sticks uh, later, she says, after all these years, Tony still has you picking up the dry cleaning. And Pepper says, I do anything and everything Mr. Stark requires, including occasionally taking out the trash. Talk Good job. Good job. Yeah, no, that was that was fun when she's talking, about, talking about the girl. Sometimes I have yeah, to take out that, the trash. Yeah, that, that was a really good scene. <laughs> uh, I guess it's. I'm sorry, I better, I, I better stop eating ice while I'm on mic. Should I? Or at least mute it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I was like, I've been, damn, I've been doing so well, too. Um, wait, just, wait, wait. Okay. It's my turn. Oh, thank you, guys. All right. Like, you ready? I am ready. Yep. Okay. Go. Yeah, just a great movie. Great start to a universe. Um, the arc for Tony Stark is amazing. Um, follow it all the way through. 
and hopefully you'll see you know i'm a big fan of the hero's tale hero's journey so if you follow tony he is the hero in this whole universe he's the journey that we follow and it's his sacrifice in the end that uh, wraps it all up so um this is a great way to kick it off and i really enjoyed it cool wow you have started such fight I, I, you have started such a fight. I can't believe it. <laughs> He's the hero of all the MC universe. Oh wow. He okay. Is, in my opinion, but that's okay. and that's and that's fine. It's just wow. That's there's why I the, for the thirty. There's going to be a buttload of Thor fans and and Black Panther fans that are going to be like, he didn't know what he's talking about. He's full of crap. It's Captain America. Blah blah blah. Uh, it's time to give our rating. Um, I think we decided last time that I was going to start us off on ratings. This is right up there. This is a, a 9 out of 10 anytime. Um, go out and watch it. Uh, there may be a couple of the MC Universe movies that are that are better than this, but uh, it's good and it's clean. A um, little bit of violence, but I watched it with the kids and didn't have to worry about too much going on. So, uh, so yeah. Um, I give it a nine out of ten. Nice. Okay. Cool. Uh, oh, you, you want to go next? Or you... Yes, because I know how much you love this film, so I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you finish. Oh, okay. My mine's very simple. Like I said, I'm I'm the I'm the really easy guy. That's like, was it good? Yeah. Um. So yeah, was it good? Yeah. <laughs> it was. It was really good. Like you, you should get the chance to own it, which I'm sure it's pretty cheap now. Like it can't be much more than like five, maybe five or ten dollars or so. Um, buy it because yeah, it holds up. It's great. It's fun. It's you know, it's like Air America. Just saying, and I'm done. I'm just gonna leave it on that weird cliffhanger just to see if some people will go watch Air America just to understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay, right. so then what, what was what was your final review then? What was your final rating? It was good. Okay. All right. Okay, uh, this is definitely an excellent start to an expansive cinematic universe, something that other franchisers are still struggling to recreate, as, we, as we've discussed. It's an excellent film on its own, with a great cast, witty writing, top-level performances, superb visuals, and sharp editing. The only weakness is being slightly hard-to-believe origin stories for the Iron Man Mark I suit and the Obadiah Stane counterpart, the Iron Monger suit. The fact that they were made so quickly and and Tony built him as his in a cave and people watching is just a, a little bit weird. But it, I mean, let, let's face it, he we had to get through that that origin story and it was worth it because it did end up being a great movie. I give this a letter grade of an A. Awesome, awesome. And I will throw out there, and maybe this is an addendum. I don't harp on the badness of the DC universe in a way that I want people to think that I'm pro one and anti the other. I think, if anything, I know how much excitement all three of us have had in the past when it was like, oh, they're launching this movie. And then we'd go watch it. And it was such crap that we were like, well, that really sucked. Why would that suck? You know, it's Superman versus Batman. That should be an awesome movie. And you cannot bring that <laughs> bomb at the end of our podcast and be like, well, and just think just that we can let it, it go. I'm throwing it out there as a as a positive that we, we look for it to be a positive universe. And it just hasn't yet. <laughs> well, all right. In my defense, I knew before the film even got to theaters that it was crap <laughs> it was a waste of solenoid 
And the only reason, the only reason I wasted money to go see it was because I'm friends with my buddy Todd who wanted <laughs> to see it. And I said, fine, I will go with you and watch it in the hopes and the small prayer that it is not what I think it is. And you, you didn't it. have to. I know I didn't have to, but you're my buddy, and I've made you go to crap that you didn't like, and so I'm more. Well, that—that's true. See, <laughs> and so I that's was really like, true. I can't like honestly refuse it. Not only that, I'm hanging with my buddy, which is what half the fun was. But I'm just saying, in my defense, I knew that was a waste of celluloid from the beginning, and you well, can't drop bombs like that at the end of a podcast. You are the forbidden. Point, the point is that we all want hoped. We all hoped that it would be good. We wanted it to be good. Todd hoped, and I hoped with him, and that was it. There was no hope for me. I knew what it was, steaming pile of waste of time. And to be clear, because I don't know if we've mentioned it by name. We know what we're talking about, but just in case our listeners missed it, we're talking about Batman v Superman. Yes. As, as being the, the worst example in this. Now, there is a, an extended cut of Batman v Superman that I've heard really helps make the movie make sense. And it's entirely possible that it does. And maybe someday, if we can work up the willpower, maybe we should review either the original <laughs> or the extended, maybe even both of them. I don't know if we can make it through both of them. But maybe we could compare them. Because I've heard that the extended edition fills in a lot of the gaps and, and makes more clear a lot of the chaos that was in Batman v Superman. The problem for me is it's still Batman v Superman and it's still more of it. So, yeah, it might make it better, but is it worth it in the first place? And also, I mentioned the whole DC fandom thing that's been going on recently. Uh, there has been talk for years about the whole um, uh, Snyder cut of Justice League. Now, Justice League was not great either because it went through a whole controversy and Joss Whedon ended up having to direct it and he reshot, I think, 90% of it. There's always been controversy and people wanted the, the Zack Snyder cut. And I, I don't know, that movie was not great either, but to me, it was almost more sad. It, I didn't get frustrated. It was just like, oh, it's such a shame this isn't better. I didn't get frustrated. I, I think I kind of realized what it was going to be going into. And I was just like, oh, I'm just seeing this out of pure curiosity and i my expected my expected yeah, my expectations were low enough that i just didn't allow myself to get disappointed but there's been some footage coming out on the whole justice league snyder cut and i have to admit from just those few things it looks like it might be better at least narratively and maybe in the visuals might be better now it might be darker and as we discussed we kind of hate it when some comic or superhero movies go too dark so who knows it might be too dark even if everything else is better but it does have me mildly curious okay so, here we go again <laughs> well okay so before we get too far because yeah i i kind of yeah. No, God, it's like another two-hour podcast going <laughs> yeah. on. Welcome, welcome to the special edition. Yeah, yeah, you're you're the keeper of the clock, and you keep saying, "Hurry up, hurry up!" Hurry up. I know, well, I let know. me ask you two, two or three more. Things. <laughs> let me ask, let me ask you this bomb here at the last part of the podcast. If you really want to know what bugs makes bugs me about the thing, it's not so much the film; it's the actors because. Three of the four actors of Justice League, I, I, I don't have a problem with. I love the Superman guy. I love the Wonder Woman guy. The Flash dude's cool. Aquaman, loved him in Game of Thrones, and I think he deserves to have a great career because he just seems like a nice dude. Ben Affleck, don't give a crap about. He can go die. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ever since the whole Pearl okay. Harbor thing, I can't, I, can't, I can't stand him. I can't. I'm sorry. So it's, 
Uh, so anyway. now let's throw out our our suggestions for for next week. And I don't know that we're ready <laughs> to to throw out Snyder Cut of Justice League, but if somebody wants to, they can. But uh, who wants to to throw out something that we can sink our teeth into next week and and talk about for our podcast? Uh, well, I've got one, and it actually is MCU related, and it's not a single movie either. Um, it might require us playing around with format a little bit, but but we've now reviewed the first movie in the MCU, but there are 23 of them. And I would love to get around to all of them eventually, but it's going to take us a while. So I was thinking maybe one way of giving a little bit of a preview is to maybe pick three movies of the MCU. Each of us pick one that we know is good, and we we watch it to see, does it hold up? first of all, and is it as good as we remember, even better, or maybe not quite as good? Maybe pick one that we're not thrilled with to kind of give it a second chance and see maybe is it better, and then maybe pick one somewhere in the middle that we've only seen once, we don't remember a whole lot of, and we almost need to see it again to decide where it should fall. And maybe we we could even play around with it a little bit further, like maybe challenge each other or dare each other to watch certain movies, but maybe just pick three and instead of doing a deep dive on a single movie, kind of do more of a compare and contrast between three movies. Okay, okay. Compare and contrast, kind of a, a, a three out of the MCU. Yeah, uh, almost, yeah, triple hitter. I'm going to switch gears a little bit and throw one out there. And I'm going to go kind of old school. I'm going to go old school. Before we had MC Universe and all of this, and and sci-fi was getting its its legs mid 1980s we had a very character driven sci-fi uh epic called enemy mine two um opposing mm-hmm. uh, one earthling and one alien get stranded on a planet together and have to survive and then kind of end up building a friendship and 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 it goes from there so old school enemy mine if you haven't ever watched it it's actually based on a book i've read the book as well so um there's an opportunity for us yeah i've definitely seen that movie before but it's been a long time and i can't remember it may have been you that mentioned in one of our episodes about how you appreciate the strength of a performance where one actor or maybe a pair of actors have to carry a whole movie and it's interesting yeah oh actually it was our very first one we were talking about matt damon and the martian well this is one where you have a pair and i don't remember the whole movie but if i remember correctly it's mostly just those two characters yeah that's it's you've actually if if you've not seen it first of all definitely go see it but if you've not seen it you've seen this before You've seen this archetype before because it works very well. It's a very good story when you put like two enemies that have to suddenly come together. You've seen this kind of thing before. And this is, I don't know if it's where it necessarily started, but this is, yeah. If we do that one, that would be awesome. You got Dennis Quaid, Lewis Gossip Jr. as the two. Um, so two strong actors. Um, yeah. and, and I think they did a really well, a really good job. So yeah, that's yeah, an option. I think Todd's right. I think it's like about, 45 minutes if not like an hour and 10 minutes is just them anyway i I think so yeah so my suggestion of course is killer clowns (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to file a complaint with hr (laughs) i am hr what are you talking about this this is becoming an uncomfortable work environment actually you know what you know what actually you you could file it but you'll have to file it with andrew and uh (laughs) 
Uh, I'm not sure he's going to care because I think he'll agree with me that killer clowns need to be done. Uh, you, you guys haven't met Andrew yet, but I'm trying to work him into the podcast, but his mom's got to tell him he can. Just saying. <laughs> he's, 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 he's my other, he's my buddy Dave's nephew and he's, he's pretty cool. He's the insane kinder. He's waiting in the wings. He's waiting in the wings. And actually he did like send a message a minute ago while we were podcasting going, mention me. I'm just kidding. So there, I did it. <laughs> I worked him into the podcast anyway, so he should be happy now. Um, he's famous. He'll, he'll tell all his friends. Um, come on, killer clowns. Let's do it. You guys know you want to. You know you want to. Humans I'm sure we don't. <laughs> humans hanging from a spaceship in big giant balls of cotton candy. What could be better? Giant aliens having to go through a tiny little door that nobody can figure out. It's great. It's like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory on cocaine. I, I'm just not going to say any more until I can consult counsel. <laughs> I, I, the, my lawyers advised me not to comment on this. Is that what you're saying? Mm. Uh, fine. Um, how about Goonies? It's kind Ooh. of a fantasy film. Okay. Let's see, we're talking about 80s. It falls into that geek genre, no matter if it's sci-fi. Fantasy. I think so. I, Goonies is like the it's one of those that is kind of a bar. You know, there's certain movies that you set, and it's just a bar. Is it better than Goonies? Is it not better? Is is not as good as Goonies? You know, you you kind of have to do Goonies. Well, they kind of they make fantasy. reference. Yeah, they make reference in Goonies. They are the 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 Goonies. That that's the geek culture of their of their time and mm-hmm. and where they're at. So they're from. So yeah. I, I can hey see you guys. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. I know we, you know, got off the rails a little bit, but that's usual. <laughs> that's uh, your fault for bringing up <laughs> the bane of movie existence, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but I will throw out there, guys, um, and all of our listeners. Um, like you said, this is just our eighth or ninth episode. Um, we're still kind of new at this. If you have listened to some of our episodes, or if you haven't, go back and listen to some of the old ones. Um, rate us um, wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps us to kind of get word out that they were here and that we have something to offer and people want to listen to us. Follow us on our Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Um, but definitely... Um, you know, spread the word, let people know that they can listen to us and where to find us. We're pretty much everywhere that podcasts are Spotify and uh, Google podcasts and Apple podcasts. So. And uh, send us emails. You know, if you, if you think, if you like my theory, send us an email on that. If you think it's full of crap, send us an email about that. We, we, we like reading that stuff because more brains let us get closer to having fun with yeah, it and that's what we're doing yeah we've we've reviewed star wars now star trek and now we're getting into the mcu so we're we're starting to get into franchises where everybody has a different way of ranking their favorites and least favorites so you know send us some uh some mentions of, of what your favorites and least favorites are yeah and 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 your effing mother just in case you send us one of those yeah what yeah (laughs) just don't post it on facebook because my mom's on facebook and she may see it no i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah Yeah, if you want if you want to bless us out please bless us out privately because then we can bless you back out privately and it becomes because if we do it publicly then it becomes a big thing and the next thing you know you know we have iron man having to show up and blow up a tank and it just gets messy and you know what i'm saying all right guys it has been a pleasure it's been another wonderful week um with discerning geeks And we will catch you guys all next week. The truth is, I am Geek Man.
<laughs> no, you're not. I'm Geekman. I'm Geekman. I'm Geekman. Can't we all just get along?